Feel Good Hemp is the first and only brand to offer high-quality CBD oil products alongside a free platform that offers proven self-help and self-healing techniques, all to help you feel good naturally. Feel Good Hemp was started by Noah and his wife, Danielle, after they used hemp oil and other techniques to save Noah's father from a terminal cancer diagnosis. Now, I heard this story firsthand when I interviewed Noah. It's a real good one, and it's probably the most heartfelt and compelling story I've ever heard about why someone started a CBD company. So Feel Good Hemp is more than just a great place to buy CBD products. It's actually a community of like-minded souls committed to feeling good and doing good. So use coupon code GENIUS33 at checkout to save a third or 33% site-wide on your first purchase. Visit feelgoodhemp.org to shop now and access their free empowerment platform. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Mikolai Rashek. He's the founder and managing director of Mero Genomics, M-E-R-O-G-E-N-O-M-I-C-S, Mero Genomics. So, Mikolai, thank you for coming. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. What does Mero Genomics mean? What does the name stand for? So genomics is self-explanatory. Genomics is the study of, of genomes, which is the entire genetic material that a person is born with. Marrow is, is the mysterious aspect. And my understanding is that it, it's uh, from Greek and it means something like combined. And the reason why the name neurogenomics, it came from uh, my doctorate studies. I was at the time studying bacteria and uh, using bacteria in order to uh, mutate a, a protein of interest. And in the background, I was studying how bacteria can be used to generate compounds of interest. So the idea appealed to me that in theory, we would be able to manipulate bacterial genomes in order to be able to generate any compound of interest inside such bacteria. So therefore, you would be combining the genomes of the bacteria, hmm. hence marrow genomics, combinatorial genomics. That makes sense. Um, I guess people use what E. coli to try to make everything in the world. Like what, what bacterial chassis or a certain bacteria seem to be the most amenable to making compounds that are useful? Well, many bacteria produce specific unique chemical compounds because that is their means of self-defense. And you could take that machinery from any given bacteria and combine it with machinery of other bacteria. And this machinery is basically specific proteins, which I always refer to proteins as tiny molecular robots. And they literally will take subcomponents, smaller molecules, and they will start building on them. And they can build very complicated molecules. And recall that many of our current drugs in medicine, they have their roots in compounds found in nature. So therefore you could be using bacteria from many different genomes. What you're referring to is what could be the vehicle to house such genomes. And 
Indeed, E. coli could be one of uh, such such bacteria where you could insert genome of your choice in order to produce whatever you want inside that bacteria in terms of compounds of interest. Okay. Although, just just to let you know, merogenomics yeah. is not at all about that. That's where the roots of the name came from. But merogenomics itself focuses on providing access to private individuals or medical clinics to sequencing the human genome for clinical purposes. So the name stuck from those origins, but the purpose is to be able to get you access to being able to decode your own genome and learn useful medical information out of it, if any. Well, what kind, all right, what kind of compounds are in, uh, would be the most useful to be produced by bacteria right now? Hmm. Um, that's a very broad question, right? That's basically like asking what well, kind what, of what, drugs right, so would be of, within, of interest. Within neurogenomics, which compounds are you guys focusing on? You know, maybe it's only even one to start, but what, what are you guys trying to get bacteria to produce? Oh, that, that, but that's what I was just referring to. We, this is what I explained to you was how the roots of the company name came about, but we don't do this at all. That's how the name was um, created because that's what I was studying at the time. And it was of interest to me during my doctorate studies. This was well over a decade ago. The name stuck, but the, with my business, but the purpose of the business is to provide access to medical DNA testing for you, for you as a patient. So we don't actually work with bacteria and we don't produce compounds. That was just mm-hmm. one of the visions I thought that in the future, that would be something that would be of, of uh, potential oh. great value. So what's the core work of merogenomics right now? We provide private individuals or medical clinics with access to medical DNA testing. And we have a assembled entire catalog of different clinical DNA tests from multiple different providers in the United States. And if someone needs genetic testing privately, that's what we can help individuals with. And another major goal of Merogenomics is to be able to help clinics set up, get set up with access to such DNA testing, because clearly it's well recognized that medical DNA testing is going to be a big part of future medicine. It already is a big part of medicine, but more and more doctors still need to learn more about this technology and become familiar with it. So that's our goal is to be able to bring it, bring it to more regular doctors, if you will. Well, all right. Why would someone need to do private genetic testing? You know, where, where can they get it now? And what are the different types of genetic testing? Like I know there's 23andMe, which just appears to measure like a few SNPs you can go deeper and more extensive, but like, what are some of the types of genetic testing and what are the needs? Okay. So there's few questions there. So in terms of where you can get it, you have pretty much only three options I can think of. So one would be, you'd be getting it as part, as part of the healthcare system, but that would be very rare depending on the type of test. So in order to get full genome sequencing, that would be uncommon still. U.S. is the leader in terms of use of full genome sequencing in, in, in medicine. And the other way would be to participate in, in a research study, but you would already have to have a certain diagnosis for, for that to, to work. And then finally, private. So then why would you settle for, say, private as opposed to any use of genetic testing that might be available through your 
public healthcare system, that would be to increase the speed of obtaining results, as well as this allows you to do much more comprehensive analysis because you might not study just one or two genes or 10 genes. You can decode your entire genome in one go. And by decoding your genome, pretty much it means it's the only genetic test you would have to ever take in your lifetime because you decode all of your genetic material. You just might need to reanalyze it in the future um, depending on, on your needs. And as to why, why a person would need it, merogenomics divides basically everyone into four categories. So number one would be presumed healthy individuals such as yourself and myself who would simply want to screen themselves to see if they have any predispositions for future potential medical outcomes. So for example, cancer predisposition, you might not know this and by the time clinical symptoms might show up, it might be too late, but you could learn this ahead of time. So that's one example. The other example, and this is key one because this field of medicine has been revolutionized by DNA testing would be in cancer. So you can use DNA testing both if you have cancer, as well as it can be of benefit of yet unaffected uh, members of family with a history of cancer. Next one will be people with undiagnosed diseases. That's another area that's been revolutionized by genomics. So people who cannot obtain diagnosis through the current medical system because it's too difficult to pinpoint as to what the problem is. This is more common than people might realize. And genome sequencing can be very effective in being able to identify genetic roots of those, of those issues mm. and that might help the person manage the condition. And finally, pregnant women. You can use DNA testing in order to determine fetus development status. Oh, well, tell me more about that. What do you mean? So this, what the, the amniotic fluid to see certain things about the fetus or what do you do? Correct. But, the, but that's an invasive test. Mm-hmm. Whenever you approach amniotic fluid, there's always a small risk of pregnancy loss. Instead, mm-hmm. rather, uh, one of, and this is actually one of the biggest molecular tests used in history, is non-invasive prenatal testing. This is where you literally take just maternal blood and within maternal blood, you have placental DNA floating. So placenta obviously is a wash by maternal blood, but like any tissues in our body, cells die. And when they die, they release content into the blood. So that's placenta. And you can capture that genetic information of placental DNA fragments directly from maternal blood. Now, because placenta and the fetus come from the same material, that is fertilized egg, then you can use the placental DNA as a surrogate to determine the genetic material of the fetus and see if there's any chromosomal abnormalities in the fetus. And the reason why non-invasive prenatal testing is so powerful, and this is not very well appreciated yet, is because it is very accurate in being able to tell you when there's chromosomal abnormalities, unlike the traditional tests, which have much, much higher false positivity rate. And at least here in Canada, whenever traditional tests are being used, and a woman is told that there appears to be that there's a positive result, the moment you have a positive result, you have to confirm it with an invasive test. And as I already mentioned, invasive test does run small but very real risk 
of pregnancy loss. So the more you can mitigate the use of invasive tests, the better. And non-invasive prenatal testing can dramatically mitigate that because the false positive results from non-invasive prenatal test is much, much smaller, an order of magnitude smaller than the traditional uh, testing. It makes sense. What are some of the roadblocks in uh, utilizing this this genetic testing? Are there are there any? Like, what, oh. uh, why would there be a need for merogenomics, and why isn't this available everywhere through every doctor? And it's easy. So definitely roadblocks for sure. And the big one is the unfamiliarity of the doctors with this technology. So pretty much all doctors already know that DNA testing is, can be of benefit in medicine. It's just that majority of doctors, they've never had it as part of their medical curriculum. So this is new knowledge to them, and they're quite unfamiliar. However, just to let you know, all major medical centers, in, for example, in the United States, they already utilize this technology. In Canada, we're a bit behind. Not as many, We don't have as many centers of excellence as, say, the United States, and I'm referring to proportionally-wise even, so in terms of reflecting the amount of population in one country versus the other. But really the revolution of use of this technology will take place when regular GPs and regular everyday doctors will be using it on a routine basis. And that will need that will have to take some time because A, we have to have many more doctors now educate themselves and learn more about, about this. Or B, they have to be replaced by newer doctors that are that are obtaining their medical curriculum right now and DNA testing is now part of medical curricula. So we will have influx of new doctors in the future that will be familiar with this. But it it will it will literally require time before this becomes a norm. Uh, what do you think are gonna be some of the first tests that um, have the best chance of coming into widespread use? So this is a small prediction, obviously, so that might or might not be accurate. But the one test that I think in terms of everyday doctors being able to jump on rapidly and and benefit from wide utility for their patients is pharmacogenetic testing. So pharmacogenetic testing allows you to align more appropriately medications for your personal use based on your personal genetics. And more specifically, you can align dosing of medication. So you can appreciate how, how useful this could be for a doctor. Also, this, this is one of the cheaper tests and one of the easiest to interpret. And almost everyone, if not everyone, will get actionable results. And the reason why, because there's at least 300 medications that have been currently validated and clinically validated that it can be linked to your personal genetics. And out of 300, anyone who will take this test, most likely you will get some warning for some medication that will tell you, hey, your personal genetics means this medication, if you were to take at a normal dose that is normally prescribed to everyone, might be a potential problem to you. It will either not work or it might cause side effects. So you can see how useful this could be to be able to alleviate some of the adverse events that we now have to witness because we, when we prescribe medications, they are prescribed randomly to each individual based on the assumption that you are a normal population average metabolizer of that medication. 
Supplementing with hemp CBD products is one of the best things you can do for your overall wellness or to improve conditions like chronic pain, sleep issues, anxiety or depression, or other conditions related to inflammation. Feel Good Hemp offers high-quality CBD oil products alongside a free platform of proven self-help and self-healing techniques, all to help you feel good naturally. They're offering our listeners a very generous 33% off their first purchase. Use the coupon code GENIUS33 at checkout, and you'll save 33%. Visit feelgoodhemp.org to shop now and access their free empowerment platform. What about epigenetic effects? You know, when a woman woman cycles throughout her monthly cycle, I would think there would be like, you know, tons of epigenetic marks that are added or removed, and that would affect the efficacy of a medication. Or, again, other stuff's going on with someone. Uh, obviously, pregnancy, again, you probably have a whole cascade of changes. Um, even for men, depending on circumstance, that would change things too. So uh, are you guys incorporating epigenetics, or is it too soon to do that? Too soon. So in our catalog, we do not have any epigenetic tests yet, although we are looking at first one. And this is to incorporate the methylation status of your DNA as you age. So you can start correlating your chronological age to your biological aging, which normally is is in a linear fashion. But you could potentially use it as a marker to see whether your health improves or not. So we're looking at um, potentially incorporating that test in the catalog. But the issue with epigenetics is that it is environmentally dependent, if you will, which means the results of epigenetic testing can be very versatile. And as a consequence, you need a lot of studies in order to be able to tease out exactly what epigenetic information actually tells you at that given moment. You also have to understand which tissue is informative when it comes to analysis of epigenetics. So I think epigenetics definitely will be a big part in in the future of medicine, but we have a long ways to go yet to be able to very effectively correlate epigenetic outcomes to clinical outcomes. This is different than looking at your DNA you're born with because that's static. In theory, all of your cells in your body will have the same genetic material So you are not looking at this level of variation. You're looking at the material that you were born with and that is present in the same fashion throughout your body, throughout your life. Of course, every single cell runs the risk of having some mutations, uh, uh, either due to exposure to mutagens or because of mistakes during replication of the genome when cells divide. But overall, you're supposed to have the same genetic material in all of your cells. So it's much easier to be able to study material, genetic material that is always the same and correlate that to outcomes than genetic material that's variable, such as epigenetics. It's the same issue yeah, that if, at uh, the moment... If epigenetics, though, affects the underlying DNA to the point where it acts completely differently, then, you know, I don't know, would, would it that would confound, I think, the results. Maybe it has to be taken into account. What do you think? I completely agree with you. This is hence um, very exciting about epigenetics in the future. And that's why I think once we amass greater amount of knowledge and data, epigenetic testing will be part of um, medical, medical tools for doctors. But we just need to get there yet and be very, very certain as to knowing that this epigenetic marker equals 
this outcome so that when we see this epigenetic marker, that certainly signifies this and this event happening inside the individual. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, so what's the timeline for these various tests? Like, are they all in clinical use? Or if not, uh, what's the pipeline look like from aerogenomics? So all of the tests that we promote are already part of clinical use. So they're all of them used by different medical institutes around the world, for sure. So it's the question is, how often are they being used? How often do people have access to it? A lot of cancer patients do not know about DNA testing and what additional information they can glean from that. A lot of mental health patients have no clue about pharmacogenetic testing and that they could avoid potential unnecessary trial and error by simply doing a DNA test. So those are just like a couple examples. And with full genome, if you're looking at assessing the genome of a newborn, with a single test, you're automatically screening for several thousand diseases in one go. So we can appreciate how this could be very impactful for such individuals, knowing right up front, what are the, the likelihood of you developing certain conditions and what can we do right away to medicate those negative outcomes? Uh, is that what people are choosing to do, is to medicate themselves, even if they, you know, I don't know if they feel fine or they don't feel fine. And I don't know how well the correlation is of, oh, you have a, a, a higher likelihood of, you know, getting Alzheimer's or getting this kind of cancer, et cetera. Should people take action or should they not? Like, how do you determine that? So that's true. So depending on the outcomes, and that is still an issue, is the predictability. Because just because you have a mutation that predisposes you to a disease, that doesn't mean you're going to get the disease. There are other factors that might be influencing the final outcome. And this is referred to as disease penetrance. And same mutation can have different outcomes in different people. So that is still being worked out, but that is definitely moving forward. And the probability of disease is becoming more better and better understood as more and more people are having their genomes sequenced. And some mutations basically mean def definite outcomes. So what you can do, one thing is you, when interventions are available to you, one of those interventions is, for example, more regular screening for the potential negative outcome. So a good example would be cancer predisposition. You would increase the screening process in order to capture the development of cancer at its earliest stage. That doesn't mean an individual will develop, will develop that cancer. or We don't know whether that development will take 10 years from now or 20 years from now, but you can appreciate that knowing you have a genetic predisposition, you might want to increase the rate of screening. Then, then what would be normally recommended for population average. Well, very good. Let's say someone listening to this podcast, you know, they, they went to their doctor recently and they want to get some of these tests. Um, what do they tell the doctor? Does the doctor go to merogenomics.com or how do people find out more to take action in their own lives if they're hearing this and they, they want to get you know, some of these various tests? What do they do? All right. So obviously you can go through merogenomics and the way merogenomics does it, we work with local clinics so the test will automatically come with a doctor that will be overseeing your results. So that's one way. But let's presume that's not an option for you. Then, uh, yes, you can talk to your physician, your treating physician, and then it will be up to your luck to what degree they'll be familiar with it. And therefore, if, say, 
your physician cannot help you and you are stuck on your own in order to do this, then definitely focus on a test that requires a doctor in order for the test to be even uh, given to you by whatever company offers it. And the reason why is because in the typical use of these tests, all the global regulations of how medical genetic testing are supposed to be provided to you, they all recommend that there should be always doctor supervision and the test should always be only delivered under doctor supervision. You would also want to be looking at a test that is performed under certified in inside a certified laboratory as well. And the final aspect you'd be looking at is the quality of interpretation of the genome. And that's really where the differentiating factor is, is the quality of interpretation. In terms of obtaining your genome sequence, so your genetic code from beginning to an end, that technology is very robust and pretty much everyone will give you very high quality data where the real difference between different tests comes in and which will also differentiate it in terms of price point is how that data is subsequently interpreted for medical use. And that's where you can run into better quality companies versus worse companies. Those that have much better experience doing this versus those that can offer you very cheap product, but you're not going to get very high quality interpretation for clinical use. And as a matter of fact, unless you meet these criteria that I mentioned, I would recommend that you would not want to be using your genome test for medical purposes. You want to be very clear that the company offering the service is a company that offers it precisely for medical uses so that your doctor can actually use that data. Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. And again, people can go to what, meridgenomics.com as well to find out more or where do they go? Correct. That would be the right address. You can go to meridgenomics.com. You, we are also present on multiple social media platforms under, under the same handle, Merogenomics, YouTube channels uh, as well, same handle, Merogenomics. So many different ways to learn about medical DNA testing. And one aspect that is nice about our website is that the type of content that you can obtain from our website can prepare you for any medical DNA testing, irrespective of whether you use Merogenomics partners or not. Okay, well, very good. Well, again, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been a good talk. Thank you. It was a pleasure and all the best. Remember, before you go, supplementing with hemp CBD products is one of the best things you can do for your well-being. Get your CBD from a company that cares and offers you holistic support in your healing or wellness journey. Feel Good Hemp is giving our listeners 33% off their first purchase. You can use coupon code GENIUS33 at checkout to save 33% site-wide. Visit feelgoodhemp.org to shop now and access their free empowerment platform. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.